0: We'd love to know about it. Come and talk to us afterwards. That would be amazing. Um, we are uh, in Matthew chapter 7. If you've got an old school one of these, uh, use it. Otherwise, you're on to the electronic version. Uh, That's as well. We're in Matthew uh, chapter 7 and verse 7. I think it would probably be true to say that the most well-known prayer internationally is the Lord's Prayer. Would you agree with that? I think anybody never prayed the Lord's Prayer before. I think most of us can quote the Lord's Prayer off by heart. Is that true? Interestingly enough, most people also believe in the importance of prayer. I would be very surprised to meet a Christian or a believer who said to me, John, I don't think prayer is important. What's very interesting, and unfortunately, these statistics in research that was done last year in August 2017. uh, The research tells us that, uh, and it unfortunately is Americans only, but 79% of American adults have prayed at least once in the last three months. Now, it's interesting how people can say, I don't believe in prayer until they hit a crisis. And then it's amazing how fervently we pray. You can just go back on that slide, John. We're not there yet. So, so those are some of the uh, the, aware, the the awareness that I have when it comes to prayer. That uh, this is something significant and it's really important. Now, prayer is really important to Jesus when he, when we looked at the whole subject and we've been looking at the whole subject of a new way to live in the Sermon on the Mount. Prayer is hugely important to this new way of living. People will pray because as Jesus has been speaking about the Sermon on the Mount, people pray because they get a glimpse of what Christian living can be like. I hope that as we've been going through this, you've got a bit of a glimpse of what Christian living can really be like. People pray because they're not satisfied with where they are now. People are saying, there is more, and I pray because I believe there is more. I don't want to stay where I am. I want to go further. I want to go deeper, People pray because they, because they believe God is faithful and that God will answer prayer. If you don't believe God's going to answer prayer, it's a pretty fruitless exercise, even trying to pray. Now, John, you can put that next slide up for me. I did a, had a little bit of a look at, and you may be interested to see this, how do most people um, often pray? And uh, 82% of people uh, pray silently by themselves. 13% of people pray audibly. In other words, they pray out loud, but on their own. But I want you to look at the last two. Only 2% of people in Christian circles pray together corporately, either with a group or in the church. Now, that's quite startling for me that we have a strong desire to pray on our own, but when it comes to corporate prayer, it seems like something has tilted and something has changed over there. Interesting that, um, to see those figures. And, and it's in this context of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus highlights the importance of prayer. So I'm going to read it, and you can follow with me. It will be on the screen as well. Um, and uh, Matthew chapter 7. John, if you can pop that slide. There we go. Ask, and it will be given to you. My question to you is, does that mean He's going to give you anything and everything you want? But that's what it says. Okay. Seek, and you will find. Knock, on the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. And then Jesus goes on to use an example which I think uh, many of us can identify with. He says, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? And then here's this last verse doesn't seem to fit. So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you. For So this sums up the law and the prophets. It's kind of Jesus talking about prayer and then he's suddenly talking about doing to others as you would have them do to you. And we'll see how that fits in a little bit later on. Now, what's important when we look at these verses, these words that Jesus is speaking on prayer, that we recognize they need to be understood in the context of the Sermon on the Mount. And here's why I say that. I don't know if you've recognized, as you've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount with me, that everything Jesus has been describing in the Sermon on the Mount is a miracle. There is not one person here today who's able to live the life that Jesus has been talking about without supernatural enabling. Let let me let me use some examples. Having a righteousness that surpasses that of the scribes and Pharisees is impossible in your own strength. Forgiving one another as God has forgiven us is impossible to do without God's enabling. See, this is the whole point Jesus is trying to land you. He, he's trying to say, when you really get it about what I've been saying, you need to realize that Christian living is supernatural living. It's not ordinary living. It's not something I try and do in my own strength. We're we busy doing the living free course at the moment, and it's, it's amazing to see how many people struggle with forgiveness. What about people who've given you a reason to hate them? And he says, you must love your enemies. And you say, God, but you're asking the impossible of me. And Jesus said, no, I'm not. That's kingdom, and through my spirit and my enabling, that kind of life is possible. You see, a fundamental aspect of this new way of living is that we believe that prayer will be answered. That's fundamental. I think this... this, this uh, uh, what Jesus is saying is is tremendously encouraging because isn't this what where we often struggle? I don't know about you. It's so easy to say love your enemies on a Sunday morning in church until you meet your enemy. And then you start to think. God, are you really serious? I mean, do you know this guy? Do you know this woman? Do you know this person? God, are you actually serious that you want me to love my enemies? Or then somebody does something to you and you you don't want to give them but a five-fold ministry and, and Jesus is saying, no, I need you to forgive them. And don't we constantly need to be reminded that what happens when we pray is nothing short of a miracle in us. Do you know the Bible says that if you pray according to God's will, you have what you've asked for? It's, it's there, one, 1 John chapter 5. There it is. Have a look at it. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we've asked of Him. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. If the Sermon on the Mount is the will of God for your life, then you're never praying out of God's will if you ask Him for anything in the Sermon on the Mount. Everything that we pray, you see, here's the context of a prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. If you're going to be asking about what he said in the Sermon on the Mount, you know that God's going to grant that because he's committed to his will being done when we, when we begin to pray it. Let me put it to you like this. If there are people who need to be free of debilitating fear and anxiety... Jesus said you do not need to be anxious. What he's saying is when you come and you begin to pray into this, and when you begin to ask me, God himself will come supernaturally and work with that. Where there are people who are struggling with unforgiveness, Jesus is saying you don't have to live like that. Where there are people who have got every reason to hate others, He's saying you don't have to be like that anymore. He puts it like this. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You see, there is a secret that Paul learned in his life. And he learned it from going through tough times. And he learned it through going through incredible blessings when he, when he had lack and when he had much. He said, I've learned this. Here it is. I can do all things through Christ. Friends, if you don't understand that and I don't understand it, we're going to try and live the Christian life on our own in our own strength. You see, people who are praying know they can't do it in their own strength. They know they need to go to God, they know they need to call on the Lord because they're saying it's impossible. But what Jesus is saying here, if you will pray, and when I will pray, he will answer that prayer, and we will discover the impossibilities of the Sermon on the Mount become realities. When we pray, we can pray with confidence for this reason. God is our Father, and he gives good gifts to them. They'd ask him. Do, do you know when you become a Christian, your relationship with God changes? When, if you've never committed your life to the Lord, I want to say to you this morning, you don't know what you're missing out on. You see, God, is, God, God, God may be distant for you. God may be up there somewhere for you. I don't know what's in your imagination, but I want to say to you, the Bible says that when you become a Christian, he becomes your father in heaven. John chapter 1, those who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Paul echoes that in Galatians chapter 4. God sent his son born of a woman, born under law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights of sons. Isn't that beautiful? God is no longer distant. He is a father who gives good gifts to them that ask him. And here's the gold in this verse. I don't know if you spotted it. God will never give you anything that's not good for you. Have you noticed that? <laughs> we, we, we know we don't always get it right. But you know what God always does? Isn't that the amazing thing that in our frailty, in our weakness, when we come to God and when we begin to pray, God's saying, don't worry, I love you, I care for you, I'm your father and I'm always going to land the answer to that prayer in a place that is good for you. Some of you know what it's like, you parents. Some of your kids don't believe you've got an ounce of wisdom. You say, but how can you do that? How can you say that? How can you ask me to do that? Well, you know you're doing it out of wisdom because you made those mistakes and you don't want your kids to make them. How much more God in heaven, as we come to him as a heavenly father, he's saying, I'm going to give to you what is good for you. I love that. I wonder if you've ever wondered what um, those good gifts are. of so you might be thinking, "Whoa, a house, a nice house, or it might be that, Lord, you would just increase my income. I don't know. Let me share with you what I think some of those good gifts are. I think, first of all, the first one is the Holy Spirit himself. Luke, Luke chapter 11, I think it is. It says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the... Ho-. Friends, is there anything more powerful, meaningful than having the Holy Spirit himself in you? Wow. I want you for a moment, if you are a believer, I want you to just for a second think to yourself. God, while he may be on the throne, he is in me. Wow, he is in me this morning. You might say, I'm fed up with me. I haven't had a good week. I want to say to you, he's still with you. That's a good gift. What about the ability to be content in every situation? I've learned the secret of being content. Isn't contentment a massive gift? I so seldom see contentment. What about that freedom from overwhelming anxiety in Philippians? Do not be anxious about anything, but but in everything with prayer and petition and thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends the ability to love one another supernaturally. The fruit of the Spirit is love. Now, there's one aspect to this prayer that's not very obvious in the English language. And it's this, that we are to persevere in prayer and not give up. I think there's something wonderful about what Jesus is saying. Because he's saying, ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking, knock and keep on knocking, don't stop, don't give up. And what's so wonderful about that is Jesus is saying, there's always more to come. You know, when you thought you've got it, Jesus is saying, just keep on asking, and you'll discover there's more. You see, with God, it's unlimited. Unlimited. It's, it's out of His glorious riches He gives to us. And as we persevere in prayer, we begin to experience all that Jesus has been talking about. As we recognize our dependence on God, we see prayer answered in this way. Now, interestingly enough, Jesus tells two parables to illustrate this issue of perseverance. He, in other words, He really wants us to get it. And the reason I'm saying that this morning is because you and I are living in an instant society. We want instant this, instant that, instant the next thing. Everything's about instant. We are so wired to the instant. So we have a prayer for a day or two or even as long as seven days, a whole week, and we say, God ain't going to answer that. Let's shelve it. And Jesus is saying, don't shelve it. Keep pushing in. That's the way that it works in the kingdom. And so he tells two stories. The one is a funny one to me. Because I can kind of imagine myself being in that situation. It's about a guy that uh, he, he got a knock on the door quite late at night. And, and a, a, a guest of his, a, a guest, a, rather a friend of his had arrived. And, and you know what would happen is there was no Airbnb in those days. So you had to go and stay with a friend if you arrived. You couldn't get onto airbnb app and you could sort yourself something out a few days before you arrived and because of the nature of hospitality if you came to somebody's home knocked on their door it was the done thing to welcome them in the only trouble is it's also the done thing when you get a guest that you need to give them a meal and the guy discovered that he hadn't been to pick and pay the day before so he had a problem because he couldn't give his guests some supper And it was late at night. And so he did something. I mean, I don't know how many of you get fed up with WhatsApps at 12 o'clock at night. Some let me not go into that. This guy wasn't a WhatsApp. It's like. And the guy's like, come on, you can't be serious. Somebody knocking my door in the middle of the night. He said, Who's that? It's like, look, it's your buddy from next door. I need some bread. I've got a guest. He said, You must be crazy go back home, go to sleep, I'm fast asleep, my family are fast you're going to wake my kids up. That's the worst thing if you've got little kids, isn't it? And he just keeps on, like banging on the door. And eventually, the Bible says because of his boldness, in other words, he would refuse to give up. The guy got up and he gave him more than what he needed. You know that you got through to somebody where they give you more than what you need. But I want you to get God's, the point that Jesus is making. He's saying God is not like the person that you knocked, whose door you knocked on. He's trying to show you God is different to that. When we come to God and we ask of Him, even at inconvenient moments, He's never going to say, I'm asleep, my family's asleep, and you ain't getting anything today. If you will persevere. Or the other story is in Luke 18 says, so Jesus told the, the disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And it's the story of a widow with an, with an unjust judge. And we in South Africa are familiar with that kind of thing. We know what unjust judges are like. And she goes to this guy and he won't do what's right. And she keeps going back and she keeps going back and she keeps going back until the guy's worn down. And he says, okay, whatever. For peace, I'm going to do it. Again Jesus is saying that's not what God is like. He's saying you have a father in heaven who gives good gifts to them that ask him. So when you come to him don't expect that kind of response. He's not an unjust judge. You know what I was thinking about this morning when I when I was or rather during the week when I was preparing this. During the hard years many of you went through in our country, how many people prayed, Lord, breakthrough, we need justice? And God did. Now the whole point of this prayer that Jesus has been talking about is found in verse 12. The verse that we can't really understand. It says this. So in everything do to others what you would have them do to you for this sums up the law And the prophets. What he's saying is this forgiving people, living a life of purity, being generous with our finances, honoring what we say, loving our enemies, being generous begins with prayer. And you discover as God begins to answer those prayers. We begin to rub off on other people. You see, when we are changed, others start to change as well. And what he's saying, as God is at work in you, you are able to treat others the way he wants you to treat them. Here's what Jesus, I haven't got these verses up, but you know them. One of the experts in the law asked Jesus, which is the greatest commandment? And he replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and all your mind. That's the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That's the very thing Jesus has been saying. When we pray, we do not pray for the sake of praying. We pray because we want things to change. Change. We don't want things to stay as they are. And that's why we pray. And that's why we call on His name. But may I say, things change when we start with ourselves. How often aren't we praying, Lord, change Him or her? And God says, start with yourself. Because they will change when you change. Don't underestimate the impact of when you are different, how that changes other people, how you are able to treat them differently. What will happen? Friends, I believe the church is God's answer at the moment. And it's God's answer because we are a people who demonstrate that there is another kingdom and that a miracle is possible in the lives of sinful people because God is in us. That's the answer. I was listening to a testimony this week, which I want to close with. And it was a testimony of a woman. She was uh, doing the Living Free course. And if you haven't done that, by the way, you really need to do it. It's a brilliant course, just as a sideline. And, um, and she was saying, I, uh, as a young woman, used to work in a coffee shop. And she said, I was one of those, I was a Christian. And she said, I used to share Jesus with people. I spoke openly about Jesus, witness to people. But she said, while I was doing that, I used to arrive late for work. I was supposed to wear a uniform. I refused to wear it. There were jobs that I was given I didn't really like, so I used to duck and dive, so I didn't have to do them. And she said, one day God began to really convict me about that. He began to say, you need to bring your life into alignment with what I've been saying. Now, you need to remember two things. She's been witnessing telling everybody about Jesus. On the other hand, she's kind of been doing her own thing. And she said, God, today I'm going to bring my life into alignment because I believe I need to honor those who have authority over me. Because when I honor those who've got authority over me, in that way I honor you. And she said, I started wearing a uniform to work. I started pitching up on time. Even the jobs I didn't like doing, I started doing. And she said, my manageress, who was an unbeliever, who wanted absolutely nothing to do with God. I want to read to you what that manager has said to her after about three months. She said, I'm changing my mind about God. You see, when we change, others change. When we live that life, that's when it's rubbed off on others. Do you know that the thing that often spoils our testimony is the most is not what we say, but what we do? What Jesus is saying here, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. If you really understand, as I have the Sermon on the Mount, you cannot stop praying. You will not stop praying. Because you know this that he's called us to is an impossibility without his enabling. Now, only one conclusion I can come to is that when we don't pray, we actually do believe we can do it on our own. That's the other side of that coin. You know, even just loving people is a miracle. Maybe you're sitting next to somebody you like. Mostly mostly that's what we do. I hope you're doing that anyway. But I found that people, even in the church, don't like each other. I found even people in the church want to avoid each other. One will go down that aisle, another one will go down that aisle. Oh, you laugh, you know that's true. But I think God's calling us to be a supernatural people, not an ordinary people. His church, His people. So I want us to pray as we close off. And then. Um, before you all rush out, I forgot to share something with you which I'd like to do before you go. Jeff, can we do that song? So we want to just, again this morning, recognize we are not orphans here. If, you're a, if you know Jesus, and you're a follower of Jesus, I want to say you're not an orphan you have belonging. You have a place in the family. God is your father and you are his child. And that defines us. It means that we, we have a specific identity in being the children of God. And I believe as we've been listening to the sermon, God is, is saying to us, I want to invite you to go higher, and I want you to invite you to go deeper. And I want you to to invite you to go further than you've ever gone before. And I want you to begin to pray and I want you to begin to ask me the very things that I've been telling you. And I want you to begin praying and I want you to begin pressing in and I want you to begin persevering and you will discover that I'm a good father who gives good gifts to them that ask him. Why would we not want the kingdom life Jesus is talking about. It is exceptional. It is more wonderful than you could ever imagine. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. How much more will your Father in heaven not give good gifts to them that ask Him? In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and just sing